turn with me to Colossians. I'm going to give you a little bit of background, but our primary text today is going to be chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. But to give you a little bit of background, the first section in chapter 1, Paul encourages the saints to live a life of faith that evidences the faith that they, ha- the faith that they have. In other words, we shouldn't just be able to give lip service that we, that we know God that we have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior. It should be evidenced in our lives. He makes that very clear as he encourages the church, and he says it a number of ways. Chapter 1, verse 4, he says, we ought to love our fellow saints. We ought to love our fellow saints. Those who trust Christ that walk through these doors, he says, John even makes it more clear in 1 John when he says, a person who does not love their fellow saint not a believer. We need to love our fellow saints. We need to love others as well. He makes it clear in verse 4 that we need to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he continues on in verse 6 of chapter 1. He, he says that we need to bear fruit. Continue to bear fruit. It's not what you did last year. It's not what you did 10 years ago. Are you serving the Lord today and bearing fruit of righteousness in your walk with God. That's what he says there. Chapter 1, verse 6. Then he continues on in uh, verses 7 and 8 of chapter 1. Follow the faithful examples of godly leaders. Pastor Sears. Pastor Nicholson. Pastor Tim. The deacons in your church. They live out a faithfulness that you should look at and do an exa- and, and follow after. Those people that live those godly examples are the ones that you should pattern your life after. That's what Paul says there. He says we need to grow in the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That means there's got to be a commitment in our lives. It's not just come once or twice a year like CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. That's what my family was and we weren't even good at that back then. We should be consistent in coming. I mean, my conviction is, man, when the doors are open, be here. (laughs) That's that's my conviction. I hope it uh, is yours too. Paul says we need to be consistent in doing that so we can grow in the knowledge and understanding. If we're not under sound teaching, there's another example of what we need to do. They need to remember who they are. Paul says, you need to remember who you are. You were lost. God, by His mercy and grace, as we sang here a little bit, came into your life and saved you. Not by any work that you did, but because of His grace and mercy in your life. That He revealed who He is to you is an act of God. He says, you need to remember who you are. That needs to be a motivation for why we serve in the church. He says, hey, don't forget who Jesus is. He is supreme, he says there in verses 15 through 19. He says, he's the creator of all things. You know, he spoke, and the universe happened. Evolution is a lie. It is God by his power. He's saying, Paul, you need to remember that. Then he says he's a sustainer of all things. The very breath that you take today 
the very possibility that you walk through those doors today is only and solely because God has sustained you. He says you need to remember that. He says we need to remember that he's the head of the church. Not me, not you. Christ is the head of the church. There should be a reverence and an awe and a submission to the authority of Jesus Christ. Because he is the head of the church. In fact, verse 19, he says, all the fullness of God dwells in the Son. You don't believe that Jesus Christ is God, you got a problem with that text. Because he says the fullness of God dwells in the Son. And then man, he's reconciled us. Let me say that again. He's reconciled us. The living God of the universe, if you have trusted Christ as your Lord, has reconciled you to have a relationship with him. Man, I could stop preaching right now. That'd be a great message, amen? I'm not going to, though, because the pastor said I could be done by three. So, Closing out that chapter, Paul shows us how to train others to mature in Christ. Verses 23 and 25, he uses the term, he says, be a servant of the gospel. If you are going to be a servant of the gospel that he has called you to do as a believer in Christ, then you need to know the gospel. You need to know it competently so when anybody asks you a question about the hope of what you have, you can give them an answer. He says, be a servant of the gospel. And then in verses 24 and 25, he says, our focus needs to be on others. You know, it's not about me. It's not about me. You guys probably know the other version of that song. But it's not about me. It's about taking and investing our lives into others so that they can be built up for the glory of God and edified in the church. And then he says, we need to preach the word. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get up here in front of this pulpit and preach, but you need to know the Word well enough to be able to share it with others. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying this is, these are the things. You need to remember who you are. You need to remember who Jesus is, and you need to be a faithful servant of the Gospel, sharing it with others. And then maturity, verses 26 to 29, chapter 1, before we get into our main text. Maturity is a directive for all saints. Every person, in other words, calls the name of Christ, needs to be maturing in their walk with the Lord. Because you need to remember that. In fact, he uses the term there to present every man complete. As leaders in the church, we need to understand that directive to us. God has moved and he has told us that we need to be teaching the word in such a way that they be complete in Christ. That's a daunting task. But we need to be faithfully doing it and let his work be done in us and through us for his glory. And then as he closes out chapter 1, he says, you know what, this takes effort. This takes effort. a lifetime of effort. He, don't be afraid to get tired for God. He has the power to, to raise you up when you get tired. He'll do it. I'll never 
leave you nor forsake you. Now, that doesn't mean you do that at the expense of your family, by the way. You need to have that in a balance as well. But we need, it takes effort to do the maturing process that he has talked about so far. But today, we're going to be talking about and, and look at the heart of Paul, what heart he has for people. We as believers in Christ need to have a heart for people. If you don't like people and just want to live in the woods or go out on your boat and all that stuff, that's not the, that's not the heart of Christ. He has a heart for people. If you think about Paul, shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, he had a heart for people to see them come to know our great Savior that we sang about this morning. So today I want you to see the importance of this. How Christian fellowship can influence the maturity of others. How Christian fellowship can influence the maturity of others. Read along with me, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. He says, For I want you to know, <clears throat> I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf for those who are in Laodicea and for all those who have not, I have not personally seen, have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ Himself. Verse 3, In whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude or deceive you with persuasive arguments. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Lord, Move through me, or speak through me. Okay. So how Christian fellowship can influence the maturity of others. First of all, we have to have that heart for people. In verse 1 he says there in chapter 2, it's a great struggle or a great conflict that he has for the people in Colossae and beyond. He even mentions the church of Laodicea. Paul wanted to be there face to face to influence them when you have an opportunity to share the gospel with people face to face, it's an incredible opportunity. I like to tell the teens back when we were serving down in Florida, I said, your attitude needs to be, when you have a conversation, it doesn't matter who moves in next to you, whether you're at your job, you need to be thinking about changing a conversation to redemptive purposes. Sharing the gospel with them so they can be redeemed. Our conversation needs to be that our heart needs to be like that. Face to face. And even as he mentioned uh, Laodicea, not just for the people of Colossae to read, but for the church of Laodicea, and it really goes to us. Aren't you glad about that? Paul was a missionary to who? You. <laughs> the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. But he has this great conflict 
A believer who is maturing must have a heart for people and commit to investing their time, their gifts, and their talents. Well, why do we do that? So we comfort others, verse 2. As a person who has the gospel truth within them, we need to understand that the truth brings comfort to others. Yeah, not everybody's going to believe what you tell them. Okay? That's for sure. I've had my share of people tell me what an idiot I am for believing such things. But we need to be bringing comfort to others through the gospel. We need to embrace that our obedience in sharing the truth with our fellow believers will make a difference in the church. When we share and we encourage other people in the church through the Word of God, it brings comfort to them. It may bring correction at times, but even that's loving. Even that's loving. Well, how is it that we can comfort others? First of all, show them love in verse 2. Being knit together in love. In fact, the way this is worded shows knit together like a fabric. So we as believers in Christ, in this church today, praise God, we're knit together like fabric. Now, if I take this, I can pull real hard on it. And if I pull hard enough, I could probably rip it. But it's good, strong fabric. That's how we are supposed to be as believers. Knit together with what? Love. This type of relationship, when evidenced, brings encouragement and builds up people. We show them that love. Of course, then the other thing is we need to give them truth, verses 2 and 3. Look again at 2. It says, the truth of also brings about assurance through the increased knowledge of who God is. The more you grow in the knowledge and understanding of our Lord, the greater assurance you have. But what happens? Okay? Let's say, okay, assurance. I'm reading God's Word. I'm doing it going this direction. What happens when I go this direction? What happens to your assurance? It does not increase. In fact, you may even get to a form of doubt. Walking back, I'm not saying you're losing your salvation. I mean, we've all had our ups and downs in our walk with Christ. Amen? We need to give them the truth of God's Word, and it will build them up. What you believe and know about God will result in right living, but the opposite is also true. If you don't continually build yourself up with the knowledge and understanding of God, you will not have the confidence to give assurance to others. What we know, what we believe, where we invest our time, will make a difference in the way we encourage others into maturity. So the reason we want to comfort others by loving and telling them the truth is so, what? look at verse 4. It says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile or deceive you with enticing words. And there is no shortage, folks, of lies out there. Now, evolution, I talked about that a little bit earlier. You know, the more science that they do, the more they disprove it. And it's amazing how it's still taught in the schools. It's a lie. What about abortion? That's a lie, folks. The heart begins to beat at eight days. 
You want to sit here and tell me that that's not a living person? You've been deceived to believe otherwise. Now what about religions? They bring a lot of lies, right? What about the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses? They don't even believe in the deity of Christ. They don't believe He's God. We just read a text this morning in chapter 1 that proves He is. But yet, they'll tell you He's not. And give you a bunch of eloquent words trying to convince you that it's not. He says, avoid the deception. Read that again in verse 4. It says, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Buddhists, Unitarians, Islam, Scientology, Wicca, Taoism, Hindu, Roman Catholicism, Confucianism, Rastafari, you name, there, there's an endless thing of religions that do not lead a person to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to be ready. We need to know His Word and don't be deceived by those who bring falseness. The second way, remember, we're trying to, we're growing in maturity in the church sharing these things. The second way that we, as Christian fellowship, influences others to mature is by encouraging others in their faithfulness. Look at verse 5. It says, For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith. Man, I'm glad to see you here today. That you would come, take your Sunday morning, and come in for what purpose? To worship God with His people. To be built up and encouraged in the faith. You have that great opportunity with the person sitting next to you. It's a privilege. Do. Although Paul warns the church, he also rejoices in their current condition. He says, joying and beholding your order and the stability of your faith in Christ. I'm going to point out Pastor Nick, Pastor Piers again. Because I've known you guys my whole life, pretty much. I have seen your walk, and I have seen your walk, and I have seen and I have heard your talk. That's the faithfulness that we need to have. We need to be those next generations. So when people see us, they can grow in the knowledge and understanding through those commitments that we do one another. Just like Paul. You know, I look out at you and I see a people who love God. I mean, we came in here today and you, you just loved on us. You see, I mean, uh, some of you, uh, you know, I forgot your names and all that stuff, but that didn't matter. We've got a common bond. That's Christ the Lord. We're brothers and sisters for eternity. Why not live it now? Why not live it now? You know, there are those who will try to convince you to go the other way. Remember, we were talking this way. And then there's this. But you know what? Some of them are your friends that will try to convince you to go the other way. So be careful. Don't be deceived by what they say, what they offer of the things of the world. Verses 6 and 7, he says, continue to walk rightly. He says in verse 6, as ye have therefore received Jesus Christ, the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
Walk rightly. Rooted. Continue to walk in Him. My encouragement to you today, man, I'm here. Walk in Him. It's the greatest thing in the world. I got saved September 24th of 93. Changed my life, and life has never been better. Because I have Him to give me the strength through bad times, through pain. He is the one that gives me the strength. He's the one that's given me the gifts and talents to be up here today. And He's given you gifts and talents to be used for maturing others in the church. Use them faithfully. Walk rightly, He says. That word rooted. One of the things I've seen, I just when I get up here, I see the trees. Everything's greener up here. It's amazing. The trees look better. I look at some of these tall hickories and these maples, and I'm like, think about the word rooted. How much root has to be in that ground for that to sustain the, that, that tree to stand? I've heard some people say that's at least as big as the foliage that you see on the tree under the ground to support that. Paul's saying, be rooted deep in God's Word. That you may walk in Him. Continue to grow in the knowledge and understanding of our Lord. Continue to minister to others. Continue to show the love of Christ to your friends. Continue to honor your mother and father, teens. Wow, I really thought I'd get an amen from the parents there. <laughs> Just trying to help. <laughs> Continue to invite others to church, to youth group, to the events where they can hear the gospel and be transformed by the power of God's Word. And how does that happen? Be established in your faith. That root system we talked about. Be built up in Him, not in some other lie. And then one thing he says here in, that, in verse 7, it says, uh, built up in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught. You need to have a teachable spirit. It's not something that just occurs through osmosis. Now, it's good to hang out with your brothers and sisters in Christ and be in church, but you've got to be in His Word. You have to have a teachable spirit. And then be thankful. He says, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We of all people in the world should be the most thankful people that walk the planet. Where are you going? Going to heaven, man. <laughs> cool. Can't wait. Want to bring somebody with you, don't you? Amen. Going to heaven. This is how Christian fellowship can influence the maturity of others. It says, first, when we get ready to close, first, we have to have a heart for people. Second, show them love and comfort. Third, share the truth with them, even when it hurts. Help them avoid deception. And then model godliness in your life. Live it out so they can see it. I can tell you your kids are watching. So is your neighbor. So is your colleagues at work. Live it out in a way that models it out, but especially here in the church.
When we do this, we will influence others to mature in their walk with the Lord. Now, granted, this message is mostly and primarily geared toward believers today. However, if you're here today, and you're wondering, hey, what's this fellowship thing? I, I, I haven't experienced that. You won't until you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today, don't walk out that door without trusting Christ. It's, it's not that difficult. You just recognize what the Scriptures say that you are. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, these are powerful passages that influenced me to come to Christ. But God commendeth His love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the price that you couldn't pay. And then chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If thou confess this mouth with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Nope, that's a different verse. Yeah, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. The heart changes because you've believed it in your heart. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. And then I'm here to tell you, you might be the next person standing up here sharing your testimony. Man, don't walk out that door today. Come see Pastor Tim, one of the other pastors in Blue Street Church. Come see me. And we can share with you how you can know before your next breath walking out this door that you can have this kind of fellowship. This is a, this is a safe place, folks, to come hear the Word of God. This is a safe place to come and be a maturing Christian. I encourage you, be consistent and come and allow God to work in your heart. Once again, if you haven't trusted Christ, please come speak with one of us. As we close, I'll have Brother Tim come back up as I close prayer.